and she has hewn it out of seven pillars. She has prepared her meat and mixed her wine. She's also set her table. She has sent out her maids and she calls from the highest point of the city. Let all who are simple come in here, she says to those who lack judgment. Come and eat my food and drink the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and you will live. Walk in the way of understanding. Whoever corrects a mocker invites insult. Whoever rebukes a wicked man incurs abuse. Do not rebuke a mocker or he will hate you. Rebuke a wise man and he will love you. Instruct a wise man and he will be wiser still. Teach a righteous man and he will add to his learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For through me your days will be many and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, your wisdom will reward you and if you are a mocker, you will suffer alone. The woman folly is loud. She's undisciplined and without knowledge. She sits at the door of her house on a seat of the highest point of the city and calling out to those who pass by, who go straight on their way, let all who are simple come in here, she says to those who lack judgment. Stolen water is sweet. Food eaten is secret, is delicious, but little do they know that the dead are there and her guests are in the depth of the grave. May God bless the reading of that word. If you just scroll through, Sam, to the, to the end of that and you'll get to the outline page. One more. Well done. Good man. As we come to look at this together, let's uh, ask God to help us understand what we've just read. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you great thanks for your word. We thank you, Lord, that as we look at it uh, this morning, that you'll open up our hearts and our minds to hear what you have to say to us, that, Lord, as we go from here, we won't forget what we've heard, but we'll put it into practice. Lord, we pray that your spirit may apply it to our lives. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. It's 6.20 in the morning. The alarm goes off. You wake and you realise that you're supposed to go for a walk and do some exercise at that point in time. But it's warm in bed and it's cold outside. What do you do? You get to work. At about 9am, you go about your normal business, you check your mail, you check your email, you go to the paper website that you like to find out about the news of the world, what's happening in Australia, what's happening in the world around you. Obviously, you don't go to the Northern Star website, but you go to another one. And as you do that, a pop-up comes up in front of you, and on it it reads, like it hot, click here. What do you do? During the day, as you're dealing with a client... You're talking to them and you realise that the conversation has moved off business and on to a common friend, a mutual friend that you have. And as you're talking to this person, this person starts to rip into the character of that mutual friend of both of you. What do you do? It's Friday night and on your way home, 
you drop into the local for a couple of beers with the boys. You're there for an hour and you've had a couple of drinks. It's clear that a few boys are in for a big night. Uh, your family at home, you know, you've got sport tomorrow, you know, you've got things to do around the house, you need to get things done. Uh, you know that you've got to get that done so that you can get to church on Sunday. But the boys are looking like having a big night. The big night might damage doing all these other things, but the boys are in for a good one. And it looks like it's going to be fun. What do you do? Decisions. Decisions, decisions. They're everywhere, aren't they? From the moment we wake up to the moment we go to sleep, there are decisions that we need to make. We face them every day. And those decisions that we make can impact our lives. They can impact the lives of ourselves, they impact the lives of our families, and they can impact the lives of our friends. Every day we make decisions that are either wise or foolish. How do we make those decisions? What is the basis that we make those decisions on? How are we going to be living wise or foolish lives? Are we going to listen to the call of the wild or are we going to listen to the call of the wise? Well, that's the big question that this passage raises for us this morning. And in one sense, it's the big question that the whole of the book of Proverbs raises for us. It asks us the question, are you going to live a wise life or a foolish life? Are we going to be people who are forever mopping up our lives after the foolish things we do? Or are we going to be living lives where we see that our paths are made straight for us? So often, which way our lives goes depends on the decisions that we make. Where we end up in eternity depends on one big decision that we make. And we only need to look around the world, don't we? We only need to look at people down our street. We only look at people in our families. We only look, need to look at ourselves. And we see the consequences of the decisions that we've made. And those decisions have either been wise or foolish. Are we seeking wisdom or folly? Proverbs 9 puts that before us. Are we going to seek a life of wisdom or are we going to seek a life of folly? Are we going to follow lady wisdom or are we going to follow lady folly? Living lives wisely or foolishly. Living in one house or another. The house of wisdom or the house of folly. And this proverb shows us that both are competing for you. Don't be mistaken. Both houses are competing for your life. Look at how the chapter in this book, look at what it says to us. Because it can guide us in how we live our lives. Let's look first at the similarities between these two houses. If you notice there in verse uh, 1, Wisdom has built her house. And she's on the hill as well, in verse 2. She's on the highest point of the hill. And then you see also down there in verse 13 that Lady Folly has built her house and her house is at the top of the hill as well. Both of them are there. It's almost if you looked up to the headland of Evan's Head and you looked up there and there's these two big, huge houses and they both want you to visit them. They want you. They're both making a play for you. Look at verse 4. Lady Wisdom's there, calling out from the front of a doorstep, let all who are simple come in here. And she says to those who lack judgment, come and eat my food. Then look at verse 14. Lady Folly's doing the same thing. She sits at the door of her house on the seat at the highest point of the city, calling out to those who pass by, 
who go straight on their way. I remember one day walking into Westfield uh, in Sydney, in Burwood, and as I walked into the, the front doors, I was just hit with this loud noise, just this huge din. And what I found is that I worked a little bit further along, that on one side of uh, the mall was one bloke with a microphone yelling, and on the other side was another bloke with a microphone yelling as well. They're called spruikers. They're out there trying to get you to go into their shop. Uh, one's saying all the great things that are over here, and the other one's saying all the great things that are over here. Uh, it was a huge noise, and both were competing for the people walking by to go into their shops. Well, that's what this picture is here. You've got both competing to have you either go into the house of wisdom or the house of folly. Spruikers for your life. Two voices competing for our devotion, for our hearts, for our lives, either wisdom or folly. So they're similar, but they're also different. Look at how folly calls out. Lady folly, what she says there in verse 14. Verse 13, Lady, the woman folly is loud. She's undisciplined without knowledge. She's loud and she's proud. She's calling everyone in. You can just see her spruiking from a front veranda. The lights are flashing. There's a data projector putting all this stuff on the screen. All the things that you can have if you come into this house. All these temptations that are coming your way. Come in here. Come in here. This is for you. This is going to be great for you. Like one of those sideshow amusement parks that they used to have with the incredible Freak Museum. Remember those? Uh, the Freak Museum, it's there, and they had all these lights and everything around it. Come and see the half-man, half-woman. Come and see the missing link. Come and see the bearded lady. Come and see the three-breasted woman. And it's all there. But when you went inside one of those houses, you were disappointed because it wasn't what it seemed. And that's a bit like this with Lady Folly. It's like a freak museum. Come in here. It's going to be great. It's going to be fantastic. But wait till you get inside. Whereas Lady Wisdom, she's quite different. Look what she does in verse 3. She sent out her maids and she calls from the highest point of the city. She sent people out. She said, get people, bring them back and let me speak to them. She's not loud and proud, but she's out there speaking to them, encouraging them, speaking to them what's around here, putting something on offer. And both of them have food on offer for you. And this one we see there's both a similarity and a difference between them. Look at what Lady Wisdom has done. In verse 2, she's prepared her meat and mixed her wine. She's also set a table. Lady Wisdom has personally set her table for you, personally prepared the meal and wine for you. There's a sense of care, there's a sense of pride, there's a sense of something that's been worked out for you. Come here. I want to speak to you. Sense of care, sense of love that is there. Sitting down to a meal is important to Lady Wisdom. Many hundreds of years later, another one came into the world and sat and ate with all sorts of people. One who came and prepared a final meal for his friends. One who gave his life for his friends. One that we're going to remember in a meal later today. And one who has prepared an eternal banquet for all those who come to him. But look at Lady Folly. What's she done with her meal? Look at verse 17. Stolen water is sweet. Food eaten in secret is delicious. There's no personal touch here, is there? 
This is actually, she's pinched food from someone else and stuck it on a table. She hasn't done anything. She's just said, well, okay, look, I can get it from there. I'm going to stick it there. Just come and eat it. You know, it's, it's, it's stolen stuff, but it's good. It's good. Notice that they're both alluring. And in one way, they're both attractive. Because that's just it, isn't it? Sometimes it's not easy to pick. Sometimes you think, well, I'd like to have that nice prepared meal where there's love and there's care, but over here's the edgy, oh, that's tempting, that one, isn't it? What about we try that? You see, that's just it, isn't it? The forbidden is tempting. If it wasn't, then we wouldn't have advertising campaigns out there that push it all the time, do we? We wouldn't remember the Magnum ice creams, the seven deadly sins. You eat this ice cream, gluttony. Eat this one here, lust. It's tempting, isn't it? And then we have all those creams around that have got these different names. I heard one was called Forbidden Fantasies. This special cream. Have you ever seen a face cream that's called Marriage Bliss? It's not there, is it? It's all this temptation of the edge. It's temptation of something over here. You want it, you need it, you grab it. And advertisers know that really well. Recently, Ben Weeks, up the back, playing the guitar, up the back. Uh, Impulse, that's it. Do you have... uh, No, anyway. Uh, Recently, Ben was at a seminar, a scripture seminar, and uh, no, it wasn't about face creams, and it wasn't even about head creams. But uh, this SRE bloke said that if you want to know what people are thinking, if you want to know how people tick and how they're working on things... Look at the advertising campaigns that are out there. Because people who do advertising know how to get people. They know the things that attract people. And what do advertising campaigns use a lot of the time? The temptation of something that's not quite right. But you can have it. Sex, money, power. All the things that are just a bit on the edge. That's what they use to get you in, don't they? They use that. Why? Because we're attracted to it. We're attracted to the edgy. We're attracted to the things that seem a little bit sinful. You know, we can we get away with it? Things that are a little bit risque. Because we're think, tempted to think that that excitement, that adrenaline rush, that sense of buzz is worth the risk. Worth the risk. And no one here in this room this morning doesn't feel it in some way and they may not be in the same area they may not be exactly the same for the person that's sitting right beside you but we are all tempted to take that risk some it may be sex some it may be pornography some it may be alcohol some it may be drugs some it may be gossip some it may be violence some it may be fits of rage To some it may be our thought life. To some it may be our tax return. To some it may be our driving. To some it may be all the above. It's alluring. It's alluring to seek the illicit. The risque. The edgy. But what is behind these two ways? What is behind the call of Lady Folly? The call of Wild? What is behind the call of Lady Wisdom? What is it? And who's behind it? Well, look at what's behind Lady Folly. 
Look at verse 18. But little do they know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of the grave. You walk into Lady Folly's house, the lights are shining, the meal's out there, it's all there, and you sit down, and you get ready to tuck in, and you ask the person beside you to pass the salt, and as they pass the salt to you, look at them, and you see, <gasps> they're a corpse. They're dead. They're dead, and you look around the table, and there's rotting flesh hanging off these people. And behind you, you look through a door, and there's graveyards. There's all these graveyards lined up, lined up, lined up, lined up with all these tombstones on them, and there's one for you. That's the picture of Lady Folly. That's the graphicness of this. This would make a great horror movie. Give this to Steven Spielberg, and he'd have a field day. That's the picture behind this. You walk into this house, you take this direction, you take this home, you follow Lady Folly, and you end up dead. Death is the consequence. Making foolish decisions now will have devastating impact on your life now and even worse for eternity. You see, the ultimate act of folly, the ultimate act of foolishness is to ignore the God who made you in the first place. You see, if you jump back into verse 9, verse 10, sorry, and there we see the key verse that holds this all together. And it says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. You see, if you choose Lady Folly, you are ignoring God, and you're saying, I don't want anything to do with you. It's saying, I'm going to make decisions for myself and for my own perspective, and I'm not going to have the God factor in my life. I'm going to do it myself. It's saying that I want my relationship here. I don't want a relationship with God. Taking the fear of God, saying, I want to have a relationship with God. I want to have him number one in my life. To follow Lady Folly is to ignore God and say, I don't want to have anything to do with you. Oh, yeah, it sounds attractive. It does, doesn't it? Don't have to follow any rules. Don't have to worry about anyone watching over me. Don't have to have a sense of a moral lawgiver. No, a sense of responsibility, the one who made me. But it ignores the fact that one day we're all going to face him. One day we're all going to stand before him. And I'll tell you now, you don't want to face God as his enemy. It is the absolutely last thing you want to do. It is the ultimate act of foolishness to end up facing God and know that you're his enemy. Because he will punish you. He will. He has to. He's a just God. He's got to do it. So there's got to be a better option, doesn't there? There's got to be a better option. I don't want to face God as his enemy. I don't want to stand there one day and, and see him and think, I'm going to face that almighty, powerful being, not his friend. There's got to be a better option. There's got to be a better way to live life. And this life has got to be better than following Lady Folly. And there is a life that's better than following Lady Folly, and that is following Lady Wisdom to live in her house. 
It might not seem quite risque, it may not seem quite as exhilarating and adrenaline pumping, but let me tell you now, if you take it seriously, it blows Lady Folly out the door and it says that adrenaline and excitement is far greater here. If you thought that following God and living for him is boring, then you've got it wrong. There is nothing more exciting than living a life seeking wisdom, seeking God, living in a life of fearing God, because that is what we were made to do. That is when you have real life. That is when you'll experience life the way it should be. And God gave us adrenaline and excitement to be part of a life of living a wise life. It means that you'll experience that in part now. Now, Don't get me wrong, it's not going to be all that way. You'll experience it in part now, but you're going to have a mind-blowing experience when you get to heaven. You won't turn to the side in heaven and go, ah, it's a corpse. You'll look at heaven and you'll be just excited to be in the presence of God. To see him and see others, thousands of people, millions of people praising God. There is no greater high than praising God in heaven. And to have that, Lady Wisdom invites you to take it. Look at verse 6. Leave your simple ways and you will live. Walk in the way of understanding. What is the way of understanding? It's verse 10. See how it hangs together? It is, to fear, it is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of the wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. It is being in right relationship with God. That's what it is. And do you know how we have that? We have that through Jesus. You see, when we get across to the New Testament, when we work into the New Testament, we find out that wisdom, that lady wisdom, that who she is, is actually Jesus. That the wisdom of God, here personified as a woman, actually becomes in fully human form in Jesus. He is God's wisdom personified. He is God's wisdom with us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, it says this, It's because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us the wisdom of God. Jesus is the wisdom of God. When we are called to the house of wisdom, we are called to Jesus. When we are urged to choose wisdom, we are urged to choose Jesus. When we are urged to pursue wisdom in all of our life, we are urged to pursue Jesus. When we are urged to know what life is, we are urged to pursue Jesus. In John it says this, the book of John says, Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life and God's wrath remains upon him. To choose wisdom is to choose Jesus. To know God is to know Jesus. To understand the fear of God is to understand Jesus. To know that we're going to have an amazing adrenaline rush in heaven is to know Jesus. When we come to life, we can either make decisions that are wise or foolish. Foolishly, people ignore God and the Jesus factor. Foolish people say, well, God and Jesus, I'm not going to take you into consideration. And they make their decisions according to themselves. Wise people take God and Jesus and the Jesus factor seriously and make decisions according to them. One is a man-centred approach and one is a God-centred approach. One leads to death 
one leads to life. One will derail your life, one will keep you on paths that are straight. It's 6.20 in the morning. The alarm goes off. You decide to get out of bed. You do your exercises. As you're doing them, you're listening to a podcast of a sermon as you're walking round. Or you stop and you spend time and you open up your Bible, you read it, and as you continue to walk, you pray to God about what you've just read. You're on the computer and a pop-up enticing you to click on this. It's hot. Click here. You click off it. You close it down and you organise to have anti-pornography uh, filters on your computer so they don't come up again. The client at work starts to bag out a mutual friend of yours. You stop the conversation. You finish the phone call, you get off the phone and you pray for both your mutual friend and the person you're just talking to. You're at the pub. You have a couple of beers and the night looks like it's about to kick on. You see your guys uh, are ready to go and then you think about the fact that you've got to be home for the family. You think about that you need to get up and take the kids to sport. You think that you want to get out and make sure that you're, you're well enough to make sure you get things done around the house so you can be at church on Sunday. And so you say, see you, mates, and I'll catch you next week and you head home. Decisions, decisions, decisions. They're all around us. Every day we make decisions. In the middle of our life, the decisions that we need to make are decisions to seek God's wisdom. Seek that wisdom in Jesus. Pursue God's wisdom in Jesus. We need to, in our lives, to choose wisdom, to choose Jesus, to choose life. Let's pray that God can help us to do that. Heavenly Father, as we just ponder as we've looked at the fact that there are, two, there are choices in our lives, decisions that we need to make, that uh, as we face life day by day, we can make decisions that are either wise or foolish. Lord, that we know that our decisions for you are wise ones. Lord, we pray that you'll help us to do that. Give us the strength, Lord, by your Spirit to make those decisions when they're needed. To trust you. To trust you, Lord, and to know that being with you for eternity is far greater than the small benefits that we get by taking on Lady Folly now. That the risk of choosing foolishly now, Lord, is far greater than wanting to live for you. Lord, it's far better to serve you and to live for you now. Father, we thank you that you enable us to do that by your spirit, that we're not left alone. But when we trust and believe in you, Lord, your spirit is within us to guide us, to direct us, to keep our paths straight, to point us to you and your word so that we can live for you now and into eternity, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.